Hello and welcome aboard Fighting Catholic Jet Lag. My name is JC and I'll be your host for this podcast. I'm a flight attendant and I'm on a journey to find my place within the Catholic Church. I'll be accompanied by my friend and co-host, Father Larry Hostetter, a priest of 34 years and a doctor of sacred theology. He's a Catholic University president. And for our discussion, he'll serve as spiritual ground control to keep things on course for our flight back to faith. We'll be navigating through difficult and uncomfortable issues, so prepare for a bit of turbulence along the way. There won't always be easy answers, but no subject will be off the table. If you're ready to explore your own doubts and questions and reclaim your faith with us, then sit back, buckle up, relax, and enjoy our flight to faith. Backs me up every time. <laughs> Hey, welcome to Fighting Catholic Jet Lag. I'm J.C. Hartz. And I'm Father Larry Hostetter. And we love Catholic stuff. We sure do. This is the podcast where we explore Catholicism, especially for those of you who might have questions or maybe even be a little skeptical about who we are and who we claim to be. Who are you? I'm Father Larry Hostetter. Yeah. Who are you? <laughs> I'm J.C. Hartz. Uh, I'm glad you asked. Well, well, yeah. Well, thanks everyone for coming back. This is what, week two? This is our second episode. If you haven't listened to the first one, don't don't bother. I, I did a lot of um, uncomfortable laughing. If you, I no. think you need to listen to it. <laughs> uh, if only to see that of... everything can be improved upon. Uh, um, but I thought, JC, I thought you did great. Well, Father Jim said I did good. Yeah. 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 Okay. Oh, yeah. He's going to be thrilled that you named him. Oh, in... oh, Father Jim is like one of my oldest friends. Okay. Hey, Father Jim. Uh, we met in San Diego. Does he know that? Yeah, I think he does know that. Okay. Yeah. What's yeah. up, Father Jim? Thanks for being a supporter. So if uh, <laughs> you were here for the first uh, podcast, you got a little bit of an introduction about uh, who we are and what we're doing. And basically, as you heard in today's introduction, we're... Uh, talking about those things that people might have some confusion about. Uh, okay. Or maybe even anger. Anger about. and dissent. Well, speaking of confusion, um, a perfect segue. Thank you. I couldn't have said it better myself. Um, I have been so excited to tell you about what I've been diving into Catholicism-wise. Yeah, tell me. Yeah, okay. Since we met last week. I know. <laughs> So, um, I recently discovered that our current and our last first ladies are both Catholic. Did you know Melania was Catholic? Yeah, yeah. How did you know that? I think when because uh, I had no idea, and her husband visited Pope Francis. So they went to see him. They did, and she was all decked out in black with the veil on, as is uh, typical uh, when when. Uh, the, the, the tradition, most people don't do it anymore. I mean, you have to. But I think spouses of heads of state and heads of state it's like do it. It's like First Communion chic. Yeah, they wear it. Um, but by the way, did you know that uh, typically uh, the, the tradition has women in black in there, except for two, ex maybe a few exceptions. Maybe there's more than two exceptions. Um, France and Spain, uh, the Queen of Spain, can yes. come in white. Wait. Do you know who the Queen of Spain is right now? No. She is a doll baby. Her name is, I can't even think of her name, but you see, she's splashed over right. all of the gossip mags. I mean, she's a doll. So I'm, thank you for bringing So back her to up. your question about how did I know that Melania was Catholic? Apparently, she. You saw it on TV. saw it on TV and they mentioned it. It was on the internet. She and the Pope. Had a little side conversation. Did they have a kiki? That it was a little bit of a, you know, people were wondering what they were talking about, and and they were doing their Catholic President stuff. President Trump was left out of the conversation. So, do you? Th what do you think they were? What do you think they were saying? Just like peace be with yous and stuff. Um. Well, actually, um, you you've met a pope. So, what did yeah. you talk about when you met the pope? I just said hello, Holy Father. And he's like, oh, my gosh, what's up, Father Larry? It, no. Uh, <laughs> this was St. John Paul II when I was in Rome doing my studies. It was a custom. You could, anybody could request to join him for his private mass. Um, really? Yeah. It was, uh, you just wrote a letter to the secretary and my parents were visiting. And I think it was my 10th anniversary as a priest. So this would have been 24 years ago. 
Um, wow. And uh, uh, I sent the letter and I said, my parents are going to be here. You don't know when you will be invited. You get a phone call the day before Stop. and you say, be at the bronze doors at, at St. Peter's at you know, five o'clock in the morning. We were there with a, a other group, a small, very small group of people. And we were led up to the Holy Father's private chapel. Uh, I was able to con celebrate, and my parents were able to uh, sit in the pews and and celebrate the mass with the Holy Father. It was really something extraordinary. Okay, that's incredible. That's incredible. So you and Melania have something in common, yeah, then you both meet. You yeah. both meet Pope. So what I did think what the did you wear? Conversation with uh, Melania probably might have been a little bit more in depth. A little more. <laughs> I basically introduced my parents. And, yeah. Yes. And said and said thank you, and he gave each of us a rosary. Really? Yeah. Okay. If I introduced my mother to the Pope, I would submit my place as favorite daughter. Because, I mean, she has six daughters to choose from, but that would be the tipping point, I think, for me. So yeah. if we can make, if we can introduce little B to the Pope, we could definitely, that would be amazing. Yeah. Let's work on that. It sounds like you need to do something. I, I need to. Keep <laughs> up in the ranks. Yes. Yes. Siblings. Well, yeah. as a flight attendant, she travels a lot with me. And so... Um, I, I guess I've, I've favorite daughter. I, I like to think I am, but my other sisters are quick to say, you know, when, when I drop the ball. So I need to take her on another trip or introduce her to the Pope because right. yeah. I'm losing my place. So what, what, how did you get to this oh, conclusion that yes. Melania, or come to this subject of Melania as a, as a Catholic? Okay. So I get this email from Vogue. Do you, do you get correspondence from Vogue? Uh, no, don't okay. anybody sign me up, please. Well, you, well, you should. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I get an email from Vogue, and it says, Our July cover star is Dr. Jill Biden. So you know I lose my mind. And, of course, Dr. Jill, friend of the faithful, she is, she's, uh, she's like us, she's Catholic. So... I started wondering, I wonder if, you know, there were other first ladies that were Catholic and Melania Trump was the first Catholic in the White House since our boy JFK. Right. Jack yeah. Kennedy. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So that to me was pretty wild. But so they're both, um, yeah, they're both Catholic. They're both kicking it in the White House and representing us all. I wonder where they go to mass. Um, oh, he, I, I think there's a. I'm not sure where the parish is, but if you go to Washington, D.C., and you go to, I think it's St. Stephen's Church there near Georgetown, uh, there's where the Kennedys went to Mass every really? Sunday. There's a little uh, plaque in the pew that this is where they sat okay. every Sunday when they attended Mass. That's incredible. Well... Uh, yeah, Doctor Jill. They, I don't. I'm not sure where they go. We need to. We need to find that out. Find we'll that we'll out. find yeah. out for the next epi, and we'll let you know so we can, you know, go fangirl. Um, I'm dying to know who their confirmation saints are. I mean, we all got them. Who, who do you? If you had to guess, who do you think Melania chose as her patron saint? Well, I think uh, I have no idea, and I don't know if she would have had a confirmation name that was different from Melania. Um, I think uh, an appropriate saint for her probably would be um, Saint Elizabeth of Hungary. Okay, I've never heard of her. Who who is she? Why Saint her? Elizabeth of Hungary was the wife of the Hungarian queen, and you heard the story, right? Where she was always caring for the poor and. She would always get in trouble with her husband. They had, had a little bit of a rocky relationship. And, oh. and uh, so she was taking bread to the poor one day. And often you'll see statues of her and she's got a basket full no of roses. Way. And uh, her husband had apparently told her she was not to take bread to the poor. And so he saw her with this covered basket and asked her what she was carrying and when she uncovered the basket instead of loaves of bread it was a basket full of roses and stop so it they said well okay carry on all right carry on. <laughs> go about yourself um okay that that's actually a really good choice what's her of uh, who is it of hungary uh, elizabeth of hungary elizabeth, elizabeth of hungary yeah. okay well, who would you have picked for i was gonna say without a doubt Catherine drexel 
I mean, you know, you know, Catherine Drexel. She was like the Paris Hilton of her day, like super fashionable. She was so cute. She was always on the cover of every magazine. Rich girl. Probably not. Okay. She wasn't a lot of the social. Written on all of the cases. She was a socialite. She was a socialite. That's the word. And she was to inherit a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And then she opened convent with it, but she had really cute shoes. And so I thought. Uh, she and Melania had a lot. I don't know what kind of shoes she had, but you know, she did become a nun instead. She did become a nun instead. Used that wealth to build orphanages, schools, hospitals all across the country, especially for the poor. She had great hair and for the minorities. You know, she wore a veil, so I don't know what underneath her hair it looked, looked like. No, she had great hair. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> don't take my word for it. You should probably <laughs> Google it. Okay, who do you think? Who do you think, Doctor Jill's? Well, she's Chance. a teacher, so I would... I Let's would, say at the same time. One, two, three. Angela Marici. No. no. Okay. I, I think no, it's fantastic just, that you pick St. Angela Marici because... And you say well, Marici, that's the, the Italian, Italian way. way. Yeah. Because she is the patron of, of uh, where I work, Brescia University. Yes. And she's the founder of the Ursuline Sisters, and the Ursuline Sisters of Mount St. Joseph founded... Mm-hmm. Russia University yep. and St. Angela is the patron saint of education. Education. And so, yes, it would be very appropriate. And she was just a cool woman. Like, she kind of knew, like, what women were going through. So she, you know, she was kind of like, y'all don't have to wear habits. Y'all can even stay with your families, but you can still be nuns. And I, I love that. And she Angela was, she lived about 500 years ago. Yes. And so, so that was a big was, deal back middle, then. Yeah, it was, you know, at, at a time of great turbulence yes. in, in the church when, uh, and part of her idea, she wasn't really thinking of a traditional religious order. Her The sisters she had originally weren't in any unique habit or anything. They were oh, with their families. Puns, habit, puns. Habits. You said there was a habit. There was a habit. I'm sorry, I blacked out for half of that. Anyway, she wanted to educate <laughs> women and girls because she believed if you could educate women and girls, or Christian formation as she called it, that would have a transformative effect on society because uh, educating women and girls would have a positive impact on their husbands who were violent and warlike Go figure. and needed some reform. That. And so reform the world by educating women. Start start with us. Absolutely. That's right. So wait, who did you say? I said, you said St. Elizabeth Seton, who Seton. was several hundred years later, okay. a contemporary of George Washington. She is the first American citizen to be made a saint. She too founded a religious order of teachers um, and uh, is also a patron saint of education, and she's kind of, you know, a big start deal. the parochial school system in the United States. And, and how Wait, what's per, what per, the parochial, parochial has to do with parish? Oh, so, so Catholic schools, yeah. Catholic mm-hmm. schooling. Okay, that's pretty cool. Wow. So in both cases, because we know that Jill Biden is an educator, that she may have chosen somebody who was an educator too. Okay, if if Melania and Dr. Jill's confirmation sponsors are listening and you know who their patron saints are, please write us at at Fighting Catholic Jetlag on Instagram or Fighting Catholic Jetlag at gmail.com. We would love to know. I mean I would love to know. Awesome. Okay, so good news. We received our first piece of fan mail from our last episode and it's actually a question for you so i'm ready we are taking your questions and if you have any questions for us comments concerns anything you'd like us to answer go ahead and send us your send us an email at fightingcatholicjetlag.com um so yeah are, are you ready yeah, okay. And sidebar, if you write to us, please make sure you include your your name. Um, our email is fightingcatholicjetlag at gmail.com. Um, make sure that you include your baptismal name. That's good to know. We got to know who we're talking to, um, where you're writing from, and what else? That's probably enough. And your confirmation saint. Oh, yeah, because, yeah, I mean, I, I, we need to know your confirmation. Did you have a confirmation name? 
Yes. That's different from your baptismal name? Absolutely. So let me hear this question. Okay, I've not heard this yet, so who knows what's coming. Okay, so this is from um, Ben Hartz. That's okay. your husband. Okay, my husband. <laughs> <laughs> and his patron saint is... Actually, do you want to guess? St. Benjamin. No, actually. Come on, you know this one. This Alfred. Is, no. This is a common one. Michael. No. St. Francis. Oh. So we got an animal lover on our hands. Right. Obviously. <laughs> patron saint of animals, right? Well... A CC. Yeah, it's a yeah, CC. He, just, he gets all that lumped under him, but yeah. Okay, so he does. He's actually the patron saint of Europe. Oh, I don't know if Ben, Ben, if you're listening, Europe, yeah, and animals, because he always has the bird in his hands. Yeah, That's when you know it's Saint Francis. Patron of Europe too. Okay. Okay. So, are you ready for this hard hitter? All right, <clears throat> dear Jables. That's what he calls me. Um, <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, can you ask Father Larry what kind of oil they used to sprinkle us with at church? My guess has always been something of the canola or olive variety. Thanks, Ben. That's kind of a tough one. I mean, obviously, it's gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But... So, what kind of oil? Yeah. Sacred chrism has a, has a, uh, a scent to it. Mm-hmm. And I, it's, it's usually olive oil. Oh. And, and I think there's some myrrh. In there. So Ben and I were both right because I said gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and he said, "Yeah, olive." Oil. I don't think you have to use olive oil. It just has to be some kind of vegetable oil. But it, I think that's often what's what's used. Okay. The oil of the sick, of course, is used uh, for the anointing, the sacrament of the anointing of the sick. Okay. Uh, and chrism is also used at confirmation, and it is used um, at uh, ordination, holy ordination. Priest's okay. hands are anointed with with that. Cool. So those oils are blessed every year at the Chrism Mass, which is usually in Holy Week, uh, Thursday of Holy Week, but sometimes it's moved around. So, and that's the week before Easter. The week before Easter. Okay. Um, and it's where the, it's the one time the bishop gathers with all of the priests of the diocese, and together the oils are are blessed and then distributed to all of the parishes. Okay. That's so much fun. Living here in Owensboro, I mean, I said it once, I'll say it again. It's like living in Vatican City. So did you go to Catholic school? No, I went I went to public school. Yeah. And I mean we we didn't have we didn't have a Catholic store. We didn't have any of this stuff that you all get. Same. So moving here is like it's amazing. So the sacred oils oh, are, sacred part oils are of from a the Ohio. feature yeah. that we're going to have every time we have our podcast called Keeping yep, up with, with the, the catechisms, catechisms spelled with, with a, a K, a K. like so, Kiki. Right. Yes. Yeah. So do you want to tell them? We might get a cease and desist letter <laughs> <on> that. <laughs> no, they're off the air. Oh, okay. It's ours now. <laughs> so keeping up with the catechisms. So do you want to tell them what a catechism, what a catechist well, is? Well, so a catechism is, is a, a collection of the kind of essential Catholic teachings. And there's a big book. Uh, that is called the Catechism of the Catholic Church. It was published. Mine. Um, I want to say it was under John Paul II, and I want to say it was in the '90s when it was put together. And it just is a compendium of of everything that we believe as as Catholics. A, it's a what? A compendium, a collection. Right. Oh, a collection. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, you had to explain to me what Kiki yeah. means, so I'm, I know okay. we are so on different. To to you what like compendium, compendium is. is. Yeah, compendium. Yeah. Okay. So it's a it's a collection. It's yeah. a compendium of um, some stuff. Okay. Well, cool. Um, well, we'll get to that in a little bit. And well, I thought that was it. That was it. Was wasn't it? The, no. Oh, we got another. Oh, um, but mind. we're we're gonna take a break for a second. And okay. But we'll get we'll get to keeping up with the catechisms and our subject in just a minute. <laughs> All right, um, ready to talk some sciencey stuff? Sure. Yeah. So now we're getting to the content. All that. Yeah, I'm learning about podcasts, folks. You know that you're supposed to have lighthearted banter at the beginning. <laughs> lighthearted. <laughs> Kiki, as it's called Kiki. nowadays. Uh, I'm still not sure I'm using that correctly. And I'm not even sure I should be using that word. But yeah. I, um, I'll look it up later. Uh, uh, yeah. So, But 
we're supposed to have lighthearted banter before you get to the, the content. So we're not kind of getting to the content. So I love that you call it lighthearted banter. Like, check, check. <laughs> yes, yes, you're right. Uh, well, yeah, here, here, here we are. Uh, I just, my notes. Okay, cut that. Anyway, so are, are you ready to dive in today? Today we will be talking about science and the Catholic Church. Are you ready? Sure. Okay, I don't know if I'm ready for this conversation. So do you think most people think that the church is anti-science or that there's a relationship between science? Our producer's nodding her head. Yeah, well, it's definitely one of those things that it's like you don't want to talk about because I think it's kind of like some stories you read in the Bible where you're like, there's no way this could happen or did it happen? And you're, and if you question it too much, you feel like you're going against God or like it's a little sacrilegious or you're going to find out something that you don't want to know. Like what? So in terms of science, I'm thinking like the big bang theory and evolution. And I mean, I went, I went to public school, but it was a pretty Christian town. And I remember, you know, going over evolution and it was still like, all right, we're telling you this, but obviously we came from Adam and Eve and God. But I'm like, could there be, could there be, could the Big Bang have happened and evolution, but God made the Big Bang and evolution? I don't know. So, and then our, our friend Carrie, who, friend of the pod. Hey, Carrie, I'm hey, sure you're listening. Hi, Carrie Turner. We love you. Uh, well, Carrie was telling us, she's like, I don't, my my parent, you know, she grew up going to Catholic school and then my husband went to Catholic school and um, they were taught similar things where it's like there was a, definitely a separation. So um, I'm kind of scared to jump into this today. I'm interested in hearing your opinion. Well, you know, we had this as a, as a group discussion with our uh, Halflicks group that we talked about in the first episode. So, yeah, we talked we talked about this with our group. And as we explained kind of in, in the last episode, so, um, you and I kind of teamed up and with our group of friends Mm -hmm. who group of 30 something Catholics, well, there's 10 of us in our thirties. And, you know, we're just trying to, to understand how our values align with the Catholic church. And so our group, we were Halflicks and we, Carrie came up with that name and we meet once a week and kind of just go over this stuff. So we did talk about science um, and that was so interesting. And you know, I was so shocked, honestly shocked, because I've been, as a priest, I said last time I've been ordained 34 years, 31 of those years has been in education. I've taught high school and then obviously my, my, my own education and then here at the university as a faculty member. Uh, and then now in administration. As the principal. Uh, as the principal, as the president. As the and principal. I uh, I would never want to be a principal. Um, <laughs> I was kind of honestly shocked that all of you were like, yeah, we don't know. No, we're not allowed to we talk about that. We don't know about whether the church, you know, is church teaching is consistent with believing in evolution. and Because certainly... I've always taught that in my classes. Um, that, you have? Yeah, In, in Catholic school? I mean, the, the whole question of evolution, uh, in 1950, uh, Pius XII talked about evolution as something that is, is up to science, and the church really doesn't have anything to say about the evolution of the world or nature, and, and that, you know, the, the world and everything that when we talk about seven days of creation is not necessarily seven days, literal 24 mm. hours, seven days. All Catholics can believe that, but we can look at those numbers as symbolic and that that represents, you know, the complete time. Because seven is a number that exists frequently in uh, the Old Testament and also in the New Testament. And, and it means basically perfect that the the perfect amount of time that God needed to create the world is what was used. And so not seven 24-hour cycles necessarily. It's just a, a number that means perfect. And numbers in the Bible more represent uh, 
symbol they're they're used as symbols and not necessarily periods of time well and for those of you who are listening that are maybe not in in the bible belt as we are you may find this surprising as well because uh i think this is something that has kind of infiltrated into catholic general catholic culture and thought from our uh uh, Protestant brothers and sisters mm-hmm. who often come from fundamentalist traditions uh, which interpret the Bible in a literal way. So mm-hmm. there were five or seven uh, literal days to creation. Uh, Noah's ark and the flood happened exactly as described and the world is only a few thousand years old. But science tells us that uh, the universe came into being about 15 billion years ago through the Big Bang that, that you talked about. And um, that is not inconsistent with uh, Catholic thought. Uh, why couldn't God bring the universe into creation through a Big Bang? It makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. I, I mean, it makes sense to me, too. And it's, I mean, there had to be something that created that Big Bang. So I don't think it's turning away from God to say that science exists. To me, I, something has to create science. Right. And it's God. So are, are you saying that these like two truths can exist at the same time, science and God? Yeah. Uh, John Paul II wrote an encyclical in 1998, okay. St. John Paul II. Know him, the next word. Enci- wrote an encyclical. An encyclical. An encyclical, uh, an encyclical an is encyclical. a letter written by a pope to the world. And so the word encyclical just means it's something that is widely distributed. It, 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 it like a newspaper. Like a, well, it's it's a letter written to the world. That's really um, sweet. And so uh, he wrote a an encyclical, a letter to the world called "Faith and Reason." Hmm. And um, the opening line of that, I wrote it down earlier. I did have a. a an inkling that this is what we were going to talk about today. But the opening line of this, I can't find it. Talk amongst yourselves again. No, it's okay. There it is. Um, He wrote that faith and reason are like two wings on which the human spirit rises to contemplation of truth. And God has placed in the human heart a desire to know the truth, in a word, to know oneself, to know God, so that by knowing and loving God, men and women may also come to the fullness of truth about themselves. So faith and reason are two ways of knowing about the universe around us. Mm -hmm. Uh, Reason is the domain of science, uh, intellect, of observation, testing, forming hypotheses, forming theories, testing those hypotheses, and from that drawing conclusions about the natural world around us. That is one way of knowing uh, the, the universe. And it is a legitimate way of knowing mm-hmm. the universe around us. The other wing is faith, and this is what we receive through divine revelation, through sacred scripture, tradition, our own hearts and our experience of God that tells us something. We gather knowledge about God that way too. And and John Paul II was reminding us that if we're really to ascend to the truth, which is what knowledge is all about, we need both wings. So I love that image of this bird flying up to the truth, and it needs both wings to do that. And one wing being science, one wing being faith. One yeah. reason and and reason and faith. Science is one aspect of reason. reason. Okay. Um, you know, and you could say science in general, uh, but typically when we talk about science in American English, we talk about the natural sciences. But uh, the word "scientia" or science really is knowledge in general. Okay. So it's knowledge that we can gain through the intellect. So you need both. You need both. You ways. need both. And if you don't have, if if you're if your faith wing is clipped, you're only going to ascend to a certain oh. point. And if your reason wing is clipped, you're only going to ascend to a certain point. In fact, you're not going to go anywhere. Wow, yeah. Now, what's interesting and cool is that you should stay in your lane. So as a theologian, 
Yeah. I'm not going to try to tell you whether or not a scientific theorem is true because I don't have the expertise other than trusting what science tells me and knowing the credentials of the scientists who've done that. I can read and I can form my judgments, but I'm not a scientist. So it, it would be wrong for me, I think, to tell you how the world was created in a natural, from, from a natural point of view. Mm -hmm. uh, I can, as a theologian, say that ultimately it was God who got it all started. Yes. Um, it would also be wrong for a scientist to tell me whether or not God exists because it's not their lane. Right. You know, that's right. not their lane. That's my lane. Yeah. You know, stay in your lane. I'll stay in my lane. And together, we, obviously, we need to talk to each other. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we need to have dialogue. And sometimes they cross over in wonderful way, ways. You all in, in your studies uh, remember, let's give a little quiz here, who Gregor Mendel was. Rebecca. No. Rebecca's shaking her head okay. now. No. <laughs> you say like we should know that. Well, Greg, you studied, Greg you studied genetics probably a long time ago. Briefly. Yeah, so Gregor Mendel is, was an Augustinian monk. Uh, today, the Czech Republic. Somerset Meese Middle School was not talking about Gregor Mendel. Okay. I don't think. And um, Mendel was an Augustinian monk. Okay. But he's considered the father of genetics. Oh, you know, oh, so he was very involved in trying to understand the natural world. So somebody of faith can study science, mm -hmm. and, and a scientist can study faith. So there, there is overlap. Yes. But in terms of expertise, yeah, we got a picture. Oh, we got of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, Rebecca. Uh, lived in the eighteen hundreds. Yeah. Um, you know, folks, when you hear things you don't understand, there's a wonderful thing called Google. Yeah, tell uh, us about just, that. Yeah, Google, Google. <laughs> Ask Jeeves. Is that so? <laughs> Google these names and you can find out all sorts of things. Hey, we'll add him to our Instagram. Yeah. Again, our Instagram is at... At Fighting Catholic Jetlag. <laughs> and I do again want to say that I have very little, if nothing, to, to do, do with, with whatever the, appears is on the Instagram. On the Instagram. <laughs> So there's no con there's nothing that contradicts faith and reason. They should work together okay, I to liked, get us to the truth. I like that you said that. Um, and I I think it's maybe brave for anyone to say that some people should stay in their lane. And I, I want to hear you clarify because I, I, I know how I think you're meaning it, which is, you know, if I'm if I have a strong faith and you don't don't come at me and try and talk me out of it. Right. And I'm not going to talk you out of your science, but we, we can mingle with our ideas. Yeah. Does it make you uncomfortable if you were around, um, someone without faith who believed in only that wing of it, the science wing, would that make you uncomfortable? No. In fact, the best conversations I've ever had were with people who profess to be atheists. Yeah. Um, they're often much more open-minded than my fellow Catholics. I'd have to agree with you. Uh, because part yeah. of that is that they are willing, uh, very few of them are just saying whatever you have to say is irrelevant. Yeah. They, they, they understand, at least from the point of view of human experience, that there's a legitimacy to what I'm saying, at least for me. Yes. I, you know, and it's... And it opens you more up into your faith, right. you know, hearing those questions and it makes you think about things where you wouldn't question, you wouldn't have to answer them otherwise. So yeah, I agree with that. And by saying you're in your lane, I'm not saying that people shouldn't talk to each other. You know, I'm just saying, and, and the church has made this clear and that when it talks about evolution is we're not going to try to do science. Yeah. Well, that's not, that's not our job. Hey, I've got to say though, uh, as a Catholic, I definitely appreciate hearing someone who's way more religious than me saying, I'm not going to try and talk you out of your science. <laughs> so thank you for that. Um, fact, which is what I think is what you meant. Theology and the Catholic church depends on those who do science and it informs how we look at things. Yes. Okay. I'm glad you brought that up. So our, one of our, producers and our director, Lauren McCrary, her husband, Chris McCrary, he's a scientist and he introduced us to catholicscientist.com, I think is what it's called. And 
it's so cool. It's, it's all kinds of Catholics who are scientists who believe in both of these, who um, they've created their own lane somewhere in the middle. And so Chris introduced us to that and we can link it in our Instagram. Um, but yeah, I, I'm interested to hear if anyone, anyone, if, if there's, there's anyone who is in the science community and is also faithful. How do you how do you join the two? I would I would love to hear more about that. So how do you do that? How are you doing that with? Um, okay, for instance, evolution. Evolution. So and that's, that's a big, big one. one. Yes, and that's that a big was one. like you said. Even in your public school, even in public school, it yeah. was like, yeah, we got the big bang, and there's evolution, something, but eh, yeah, yeah, so, we're not gonna, yeah. We're and not. and again, like I said, it shocked me that there were Catholics who didn't know. So that, wait, do you? Do you believe in it? I think evolution is a uh, is a perfectly acceptable and reasonable theory for understanding how life came into being in 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 our world and continues to develop and evolve. So, are you? So, you're? Did we evolve from Adam and Eve, or did we evolve from? Monkeys? Okay, so this is a that's a really important question because. Um, in terms of what we say about evolution, the church has always deferred to science on that, in terms of the age of the earth and how life evolves mm -hmm. in the world. But there are certain non-negotiables that we cannot... As as Catholics. And, and, and really don't impinge on, on evolution. So the belief that God is creator of all. Okay, that's one. You know, that's, that's, that's one of them. Uh, the belief that... Um, we came from a, a set of parents that we call Adam and Eve, and it's through them that we've received, you know, our, our own humanity and, um, uh, and also that we're, you know, part of original sin, which probably needs to be a future, uh, episode okay. to talk about original sin. Right, right that down. means, yeah, yes. because that's, that, that, that takes a little bit of time. Yeah. Um, the, we cannot, uh, believe that evolution is the cause of our soul, our spiritual nature. You know, we're embodied spirits. We, so physically we evolve? But physically, our, our, our human bodies have evolved. Have I mean, evolved. Yeah, that's pretty clear. You know, we have an appendix that's basically useless and that people think at one time, uh, you know, had, had some use. We have wisdom teeth that we don't need uh, anymore. We have canines that probably were used to rip yeah. flesh off of bone at one time. You know, we don't need that right. anymore. In fact, I was watching a YouTube video the other day and there's an extra muscle that, there's a muscle in the forearm that a lot of people don't have or some people don't have. Uh, you can look that up on, on the internet too. Yeah. <laughs> but Is everyone looking at their and, forearms? Yeah, and one time <laughs> we needed that, yeah. that muscle, but we don't anymore. We don't need it as much anymore. So the human so body. So it's clear that the human the body. The physical has human body, I think, in my mind, science. So what's is the much, What's the issue the, then? What has not cannot evolve is our soul, but that is is a direct creation from God. That you know, Adam and Eve what that were mean? the first to make a moral decision. Okay. okay. Which of course is what led to original sin because they kind of made the wrong. Were decision. they before the everything else, or was it? I mean, how did that evolution work with Adam and Eve, do you think? I think there was a point in evolution. And and by the way, we did not, most people who study this now say, you know, we didn't evolve from apes. It, the apes and humanity evolved, they're different branches of evolution. We oh. all, we evolved from, you know, uh, human or humanid uh, uh, species that mm -hmm. eventually became human and, you know, at one time, there were multiple types of humans in the world, including the Neanderthals. And then last week, they just discovered a new skull of a, I think they're calling him Dragon Man. And they think Dragon that that might Man. be a, uh, a, a another uh, branch of human beings that has, has wow. died out. You know, so there's lots of things that science is telling us about, about how humanity came about. But God created the soul. And so Adam and Eve, as we call them, um, were... You know, the first who were morally aware of their place in the universe. And and it's that moral awareness uh, 
that we can ascribe that infusion of the human soul. And, and that comes, that comes directly from God. That's not something, uh, that, that evolved, that God created a good world, that the world had a beginning, um, and that God was the one who's ultimately the creator. Those are kind of some non-negotiables, but the rest, and those are things that theology tells us. Those are things that really science can't mm-hmm. tell us. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can talk about the Big Bang, but how that came about and the cause of, of that, you know, the, the right. kind of, science well, is when, kind of at a loss. But that's where theology can step in and say, hey, let me tell you about. Right. I mean, that, these are such great points. What What do you mean exactly the soul doesn't evolve? What does that look like? What does that mean exactly? Well, the, the soul is not a product of evolution. Got it. Okay. Um, I think in the sense that we as human beings develop and we become more morally aware over time. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's certain things that we would find abhorrent today mm-hmm. that... Our ancestors did just a hundred or two hundred years ago. Um, so, in that sense, you know, we have there's a, I think there's a moral evolution to the human person yeah. and human society. And since we're body and soul, you know, that we we do evolve in that sense. But the soul is not the product of evolution. Got it. The okay. The body is, but at one point in the mind, we were infused the with soul. the soul. Wow. Okay, that's interesting. So we're evolving as Catholics. We're allowed to, to accept, evolution accept evolution as a theory that helps us to understand the nature of life in the universe. As a Catholic, you are also free to not accept that because it's a scientific theory. And ultimately, our faith isn't rooted in science one way or the other. Wow. You can't. As a Catholic, say, I no longer believe that God exists, or I no longer believe that there's a difference between the material world and the spiritual world. Right. Those are those, those are, are hard and fast. Those are hard and fast. Okay. Those are kind of our non-negotiables. But you this, know, I mean, this kind of blows the top off of everything that we we knew um, that or that we thought we knew with Catholicism and science. Um, just knowing that we're we're open to interpret it in different ways. We have. Um, our guide of, you know, what is our non-negotiables, which is God created it all. And there's a difference between what you said, the material world and the spiritual world. Um, but we are, we are free to dissent then, which I think it. Dissent from what? Dissent in our beliefs and our understanding of how science works. Well, that would be, but that wouldn't be. Dissent so much. I mean, dissent is often. A, I mean, it could be dissent that you disagree with, but it's dissent from a scientific theory, not from right. a religious doctrine. Right. Well, I think for a lot of us, we we don't know what we're allowed to believe. We don't. I mean, if si- is science roped into that? And so it's sounding like we have the freedom right. to choose what we believe with that. As we go through these podcasts, I think it'll become clear that there is very little in terms of all of human knowledge. And the knowledge that we have from faith, where we where we say this is a non-negotiable, this is something that you must believe mm-hmm. if you're going to call yourself a Catholic. And we def, I definitely want to hear more about that, no, about and, what our non-negotiables are. And the quick and easy way is the creed we recite on Sunday. You know, so when when we go to mass on Sunday and we recite. And I, I realize I'm speaking to a lot of people who've given up on mass. So, mm-hmm. but you know, there's there's the recitation of the Nicene Creed, Nicene being the city that it was written in, the Council oh, of Nicaea. Oh, got it. Uh, and how? Wait, that one starts out, I believe, in one God, God, the, the Father, Father Almighty. Yeah, okay, yeah. they all kind of start. Hey, that we're way. gonna po- we'll post that. We'll post the Nicene yeah, Creed. Yeah, yeah. On, so we can go through it. I I think that's great because I I know we say it during mass, we know it by heart. I didn't really know why we said it. That was just kind of nice words. But it's like if you can align your belief system with that, God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, then you're on the right track is what it sounds like. It says nothing in there about 
science. It says nothing in there about a whole lot of things. a whole lot of things that we make issue out of. A whole lot of moral issues that it we says nothing fight. in there about Joe Biden and the Eucharist. Uh, there's very little in there about morality. <laughs> yeah. um, although morality is important because as Catholics we we strive for what's called orthodoxy and orthopraxis. So okay. orthodoxy you lost is me at. yeah, it's a from the Greek word right teaching. Or right thinking, and then did ortho- you say orthodox, orthodoxin, orthodoxy, orthodoxy, orthodoxy like your doxin, like my yeah, doxin, yeah, Daisy, in, Daisy in heaven, yeah. in heaven, <laughs> um, orthodoxy, uh, O R T H O D O X Y, got it, um, and it has to do with right teaching. Orthopraxis is right actions or right practice. Got it. So being a Christian means that we strive for those two. We don't always get it perfect, and we often, you know, might, how we express ideas might be different from one person to the next, but that there is at the core of who we are a certain thing, certain things that we all agree on mm-hmm. and certain behaviors that we all agree on. Yeah. Where we disagree as Catholics is what should be in that list sometimes. So we disagree on the what should be in it. Sometimes. And that's why so. creeds were written. You know, so creed that comes from the Latin word credo, which means I believe, were written because there was disagreement about what should be on the list. Wow. And that so makes especially sense. in the early church, the first few hundred years of the church, you had all these councils of bishops getting together and they were they had these violent disagreements. They would put each other into exile and, mm-hmm. and you know, and defrock one another because they disagreed over what <laughs> That's my favorite is the <laughs> essentials to believe as, as a Christian. And defrocked. so they would get together as a bishop. And when we meet with the bishop next week, you know, he maybe can talk to us a little bit about this, is, um, is the bishops as the inheritors of the apostles, as the successors of the apostles, had the responsibility of formulating these creedal statements, but they still fought long and hard over it. So, yeah, yeah we all agree that there are certain things that are essential in, <laughs> in how we believe and how we act, mm-hmm. but we don't always agree on what those are. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Or we haven't in, in, in yeah. history. You know, that's why yeah. you have ecumenical councils like Vatican II, mm-hmm. when all the bishops get together and tell us, you know, this is what's important for us as Catholics. Council of Trent, the Council of Nicaea, from which the Nicene Creed comes. Wow. Okay. All right. That that makes a lot of sense. So back to some scientific subjects. I mean, there are things in the Bible, though, that just feel like, did this really happen? So, I mean, it, it's God's word, is it, is everything hard and fast? Did Noah's Ark really happen? Did um, the Red Sea, was that, is that? Mm-hmm. Okay, Close, Chris said that sea. you were his teacher at in high school, uh-huh. yeah? And he said, when, before we started our group, he said, oh yeah, when Father Larry told us about this, we were like, that's, that sounds and feels right. And he like, he had so much trust for you. And he's like, he's like, I'll be a part of this group because of your willingness to be like, well, we can dive into that. We don't have to just take it for what it is. So can you, can you tell us a few things that over the years you've maybe been asked about like Noah's Ark or similar things of you know, just like seven days, seven days wasn't necessarily seven days. So what are, what are the big ones that you hear a lot about? So uh, just a little bit of background in terms of what Catholics believe about the Bible is um, that the sacred scripture is inspired. It's the inspired word of God and it's the inerrant word of God. And so it's important to understand what that means. Mm -hmm. So inspiration, oftentimes people think of inspiration as God whispering into the writer's ear to write word for word mm-hmm. what they're supposed to say. In fact, they're paintings of the gospel writers writing, and yeah. there's a, a, a dove hovering over their ear, kind of whispering into their ear, <laughs> now write and write. A whispering write, dove. Then, yeah, yeah, so um, <laughs> that's not our understanding of inspiration. Does a dove whisper to you no, when you have your divine no, inspiration? No, no. Dove, it's more yeah. of a... 
stray dog named Stella. Yeah. Which. <laughs> That's right. Um, cut, cut that out. Cut yeah, that out. Yeah. That's sacrilege. Yeah. But <laughs> doves, is doves, the Holy Spirit doesn't dictate. That's called the divine dictation theory of inspiration. It's not what Catholics believe. So our understanding of inspiration is that the, the Bibles come about more as a result of a partnership between God and the and the human writer. And the human writer is writing it as a human being. And so there are going to be things that seem to be contradictory or mistakes, or they're using their imagination to get at a deeper meaning. So the Bible is about getting to meaning and not science. Wow. So it's, yes. it's about theological meaning. And so this is the second piece about inerrancy then. What did we mean when we say the Bible is inerrant? Well, our fundamentalist friends would say what's in the Bible is exactly what happened, exactly as it's written. That too is not the Catholic position. And this is spelled out in the Second Vatican Council that the Bible is inerrant in as much as it is trying to tell us about our faith. So, and, and the meaning of our faith. So the story of Noah's Ark, is that supposed to tell us that there was a, a horrible flood and, you know, God killed everybody? I mean, think right. about it. God killed everybody except for this one family. Yeah. And, you know, they floated around in their ark for 40 days and 40 nights. Right. And then the waters receded and they rebuilt the whole world with just this one Right, it family. seems impossible. Yeah. As a kid, I had a problem with yes. it. Yes. I mean, I remember I had a Noah's Ark set. And I remember sitting there playing with my Noah's Ark set thinking, there is no, way, no way they got all of the animals on this Ark. Because it's not about what happened historically. Right. The Bible is not a book of history, although there is history in the Bible. Mm-hmm. So, but when you when you put it like that, I go at it with more of an open mind. Um, I think as children, you know, we grow. You don't question it because it's you're turning away from God. You're turning away from your religion if you say I don't know if that happened, because then the argument is, well, you don't have enough faith. Right. You don't believe God can do that. God can do anything. That's like I believe He can do anything, but I don't. I'm not sold on this story. So hearing it in these terms, I'm much more able to accept it. So when you hear the Noah's Ark story, yes, what meaning would you draw from that story? Uh, what, what does that story ultimately tell you about God and our relationship? Okay, with God? here's here's what I get from it. I get from that story. No, even when the absolute worst thing can happen, when everything is taken away from you, when you feel you are, you are drowning, God's going to not only send you, he's going to help you build a boat and start over. That's what I get from you it. You just did theology. That's theology. That's theology. It's finding <laughs> meaning in yeah. our sacred okay. texts. And, you know, you, you can look at it a number of That's absolutely legitimate personal interpretation. And you could also look at it as, okay, human beings consistently re rebel against God. And there mm -hmm. are consequences for that rebellion. Um, but then God always saves us. Yeah. You know, that yep. we are our own worst enemy, but God always saves us. Like, okay, Sarah Ford always talks about this part that I love, that it, in, when it's who is drowning... And he's like, you have, you have little faith. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that would be. That was Peter. Peter. Peter yeah, yes. Peter. I thought you were telling me. You were waiting for me. No. I thought you were giving me a quiz or something. No. Um, no, but she, she loves this story because um, she had always thought that it's, uh, it was like letting Peter drown. But when you go back and read it. He picks Peter up right. and then says, yeah. ye of little faith. So he's not letting us drown. The story is always about God's love for us, our unfaithfulness, and God's continuous faithfulness to us and saving us despite ourselves. Yes. And that story continues, of course, up to the point of Jesus where the ultimate act of salvation came 
through Christ and saving us by being faithful even unto death, even though we can't be faithful. You know, I, I always, for me, this is important and it may be important for you, our listeners, because I always had, a, even as a child, I had a very difficult time with the notion that God would be vengeful or God would tell right. people to do bad or evil things. And if you read the Old Testament and even in the New Testament, you can find some things that people are doing un, because they're doing it because of God's will that we would find horrific. Right. You know, uh, and um, I think that's where you look for a way to interpret that in sacred scripture, and we probably will have an episode on how to interpret sacred scripture, um, in a way that you really try to understand what is the meaning here? Mm-hmm. What, what is the story trying to tell us? Let's not focus on the story, but get behind the story and find out what's going on. Yeah. And, and not that the Bible is full of fairy tales, because it's not. It's rooted in history. But even in our myths and fairy tales, we know that Hansel and Gretel didn't really get lost in the woods or get abandoned by the parents in the woods and find, you know, a gingerbread house and the witch tried right. to eat them. Uh, but we know there's a moral right. to that. There's a meaning behind okay. that story that hopefully point. as a kid, you that's what you're taking away from it. Again, sacred scripture is not fairy tales, but the same basic principle applies that we we seek to draw meaning from our sacred texts and that's, not history and not science. Yes. Yes. That's I mean that sums it up great. And Good I mean place probably to finish for this. Yeah, part. truly. And I, I just want to say, okay, if any anyone else has any science questions or any stories from the Bible that were a little confusing or that always felt like it didn't really make sense. Uh, well, we want to hear about it. We want to know what they are. So email us at fightingcatholicjetlag at gmail.com or find us on Instagram at fightingcatholicjetlag. Welcome to the first episode of uh, Keeping Up with the Catechism. Spelled with a K. Keep it spelled with a K. All right. So what's our topic? I got that reference. So for Keeping Up with the Catechisms, um, did we explain this earlier? That uh, what the catechism is. I think is? we did. Yeah. I we, I, okay. I thought we were doing it earlier, and I screwed up. Who, so. who knows? No, yeah. you're good. Um, you know, the catechism is. Uh, it's just kind of our. It's kind of our user manual, our Catholic user manual, um, and I. And so we have these little books. Uh, we have our catech. We are catechist. We have a catechism. Mm-hmm. Um, so. In order to understand it better, we're going to kind of just go over some things. I want to go over, though, I think the next few weeks, what would you think about if we go over the Mass, mm-hmm. parts of the Mass? Um, I've been to maybe two in-person Masses in the past year, like a lot of us have, um, just with pandemic and everything. So last time I was there, it's doing things, and I thought... And you know there's no reason for you not to go right now. I know. I actually tried to... Watch, <laughs> Carrie and I tried to watch your recording the other day, and we were really disappointed. So yeah. can you please we put it back no up there? We are no longer live streaming. Why? At because least live stream. you there. Oh, goodness. Okay. Um, well, I, while I was there, though, I, I went with Rebecca. We came to Brescia, and I was doing things that I didn't even really know why I was doing them. Um, and now my eyes and ears are kind of open and I'm trying to figure out the why behind it all. And so the other day, Rebecca and I are driving in the car and she said, that thing you all did at mass where you cross your forehead, your lips and your chest. And she's like, what, what is that? And I was trying to explain, Oh, that's one of my favorite parts of mass. It's kind of like, but then I couldn't even explain it. So I had to Google it and send it to her. So you you know the part I'm talking about, right? Right, right, right before the gospel. Yes. Uh, and before, so this is when you come the up. the deacon or the priest reads the gospel. So we do two readings of... On Sunday, it's usually yes. an Old Testament reading. And then mm-hmm. there's a, a, a psalm, sometimes sung. Okay. And then, and then we have the word of God. Then we have a reading. Uh, we have a reading from one of the letters of Paul often or one of the other letters from the New Testament. Mm-hmm. And then we have the gospel, which is the four gospels are the, the story of Jesus. 
and mm. the priest, this is a solemn moment because we, when we hear the gospel, it is a form, it is a type of communing with Christ. You know, we, what's we, the difference between that and what the other what you read and what everyone else read? Or it's just uh, the, the the gospels have a a level of importance because they're actually about the life of Jesus. Got it. You know, so the others are all it's all sacred scripture. It's all inspired. Okay. Well, that explains why when you read when you read the right. gospel, is that what you just said? Mm-hmm. Yes. When you read the gospel, it's a pretty big deal. Right. You come up, we all stand up. Um, you kiss some things. Uh, not until the end. Yeah. Okay. Right. Really thing, yeah. <laughs> but we're all we're all standing, so we're awake because you all make us stand <laughs> for this right. part. Yes. So. There's an hallelujah song. Uh, I mean, it's special, and sometimes yeah. in real solemn masses, they'll bring out the incense. And, Love it. And incense the gospel book. Sometimes the gospel book is a separate book from the book that is used for the other readings, again, to kind of just highlight the dignity of but the But it's gospels. all from the Bible. It's all from the Bible. Okay. Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. And the priest says, the Lord be with you. And with your spirit. And with your spirit. And he says, a reading from the Holy Gospel According, According to, to Mark, Matthew, and then as he does that, he signs yeah. the book with a cross, and then, we... and then everybody signs their forehead, their lips, and then over their heart. And there's a, a traditional prayer that goes with that that sometimes people can do. Not they just pray to themselves: "May the Lord be in my my on my mind and my lips and in my heart." Um. In, or the words of the gospel, may they be always yes. in my mind, on my lips, or in my heart. Well, I, the the first time I learned that, actually, um, whenever I went to Western, this was before I confirmed, but I would go to Holy Spirit in Bowling Green, Kentucky, and Father Jerry was actually, he's mm-hmm. here now, but he was at Holy Spirit, and he was the first priest that I ever knew that would say right. on our, and I'm I'm like, that's what we're that's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. That's why we're doing it. And I thought that was really cool. And I loved that we had that explanation right. for it. So, but you're but that's optional. They can say that, but we're kind of supposed to know what, what right. that means then. Okay. So tell us again what that. May the means. words of the gospel be on in, on my mind, on my lips, and in my in heart. heart. Yeah. Got it. Or it's not a hard and fast thing. I mean, I should have just asked you when you do that. What are you thinking? What do you think you're doing? You know, now that you know it, because I think sometimes as Catholics, we don't want to get to the point where we're saying, "This is what I got to pray now when I do this." No, because do you know it's what we all think it is? Um, so, whenever you haven't been to church in a long time, or you're a priest or Catholic like I used to be, or you're a Protestant, you think you're going for the sign of the cross. <laughs> Did, Rebecca, did you? Did were you? Guys. Yes. Yeah. I was so like, what did everyone just do? We, you know, you're going for that. You're like, oh, I know what's going on, and you can always kind of because t- I've been that person before. So, um, no judgment from me, but yeah, I think we are doing the sign of the cross, and then I get so confused I can't mm-hmm. even think about it. Right. <laughs> yeah. But we are doing, we are, we are putting that in our minds, our hearts, and on our right. lips. Then, yep, that's beautiful. It's nice. It's, yeah, it's, I it's love that. Just way of it's intentional. Staying, intentional, staying mm-hmm. connected with what's going on, so you're just not, you know, yes. kind of riding yes. along. Well, and that's the what I, I want to explore with our little sec, our keeping up with the catechism section. Um, but I, I would like for, for you to kind of go over the mass with me if you would be down to right. do that in future episodes because like i said there's just a lot that i don't really yeah. know what we're doing and if folks if you all want to have something addressed in this little mini-sode of the keeping up the catechism, tell them you know it you know you know it you know the email address no you know it do you know it know what the email address do you no know i don't yes because i'm not responsible for the email address <laughs> but it is at fighting catholic jet lag at gmail.com gmail.com that's right or you can do something on the instagram thing too which again I have nothing or to do with. send us a dove yeah send by the way they have the first thing on the instagram no 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 this yeah you'll get to see on the instagram uh our studio our studio yeah. our pod loft our pod loft our yeah. pod loft yes um yeah so we'll we'll go over that more um my mom found my marion's mass book 
from my first communion. Oh, how nice. I know. And I have my mom's first communion mass book. Do you really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my it's gosh. Look at look at these kids yeah. in it. So, yeah, but it kind of goes through the mess. So I thought we could kind of just go through. So we'll start with, um, in future episodes, like the introductory rites. Do you know, you know that? Yeah. That's your job. Mm-hmm. It's your bread and butter. So we'll, we'll go over all of that. Um, but yeah, so we'll, we'll get into that more. Um, but for now, it's time for a closing prayer. Again, you want to do it every episode. Every, every episode. All we gotta, of them. We got to pray. We got to pray. We got to pray. So for the prayer this time, I thought since we're talking about universality and God working through creation, um, we do a prayer um, from, uh, it's a Native American prayer. Um, uh, and uh, might connect us a little bit to that spirituality because we believe that God works through all faiths and religions. So... Let us pray together in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May the sun bring you energy by day. May the moon softly restore you by night. May the rain wash away your worries. May the breeze blow new strength into your beings. May you walk gently through the world and know its beauty all the days of your life. Amen. Amen. So this podcast is ended. Go out and love one another as we have been loved. Amen. And Godspeed. Godspeed. (laughs) See you next time.